This is the reality dysfunction. We are super excited to be here today, our last podcast before the election. So today we have some wonderful invited guests that will be talking to us about a very important subject, canceling the rent and forgetting the debt on utilities. It is an issue that is happening all over the country. And before we jump with our guests, can we just introduce ourselves and I'll this is Alex coming from the East Coast. This is Dan Sosa. I'm in Saginaw, Michigan. Cecilia Lovetta. Today I'm in Saginaw. Francisco Lopez, California. Carlos Hernandez coming from San Antonio, Texas. My name is Carolina. I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm also in Southern California. We still got to get Reiner. Oh, yeah. Let's... Reiner. <laughs> the president. Do it, Reiner. <laughs> Hello, this is Reiner. I'm uh, in uh, Lansing, Michigan. Well, I'm in Saginaw, Michigan. Ernesto Morales from Prescott, Arizona, high in the mountains. Excellent, excellent. So thank you, everyone, to be here. So I want to take the time for our invited guests to each one introduce, introduce themselves and just briefly tell us the name of the organizations, and later on we'll go into their campaigns. So... I'm going to start with Shakira. Hey, everyone again. My name is Shakira Mingo. My pronouns is she, her, and I am the resource organizer with 1DC. All right. Julian. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. I'm Julian Cepeda. I'm a community organizer with Chispa, Arizona, which is part of the League of Conservation Voters, and I'm located in Phoenix as well. Thank you. I'll pronounce he, him, he, him, they. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. We really thank you all to uh, both of you to be here, taking the time out of your very busy schedules. And I want to, I'm out of DC, Juan Carlos Vega, and I want to um, give a shout out to my people at Movement Matters for helping me out, identify Shakira and other speakers, and as well uh, their support on putting this together, Marta, David, Miguel, and my family here in DC. So, Today we're talking about canceling the rent and forgetting the debt, specifically during COVID times, right? COVID has left, I don't know, millions of people without employment. That means no income coming into your household. So you need to pick and choose on what you're going to pay. And usually food and access to internet nowadays so that kids can go to school is, is more important while, you know, paying utilities, paying rent can lag behind and does lag behind. So the problem is, is that when you don't pay your mortgage or your rent or your utilities, then late fees accumulate to the point that there is a wave of evictions and foreclosures happening across the country with homeless, homelessness increasing as well. And it is happening not just in DC, but it's happening in New York, Philadelphia, the Bay Area. And these are issues that are affecting Latino, Latina, Latinx individuals, but in reality affecting people of color and people that do not have the means and have savings in their banks or that are working three jobs in order to maintain, to be, to be able to pay the rent, right? So our guests today are gonna discuss with us 
different ways in how um, their campaigns are targeting landlords, uh, mortgage companies, utility companies to help alleviate and forget the debt. Because I don't think mortgage, the mortgage industry or the water or electric industry is having any losses right now and their profits can totally support the people that are in need so the urgency is obvious because if you're being evicted or your water is being shut off or you're and you can't cook because you don't have electricity during COVID times when you need to be washing your hands right then the emergency is really real and COVID is not over so double emergency so you know, again, thank you, Shakira and Julian, um, for being here. And I, you know, I'm going to start with um, with you, Julian. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your campaign? What are the issues and problems? And you know, what are the solutions and policy implications your campaign is proposing? Yes, of course. Thank you. And those are really great points that you just made. So we are a powerful coalition with a clear request for APS to forget the debt of Arizonans who are occurring due to the results of the pandemic. And so our families are facing the perfect storm crisis, you know, record heat, record unemployment, and in the midst of, a, of this pandemic, APS, well, a lot of our communities are accumulating debt with, with this um, monopoly company, which is APS, right, uh, electricity company. And so many of them have a, are accumulating debt from 400 to $1,000. And, you know, that's how much their, their bill is coming up. Um, it's coming out to per month. And so in the midst of, of this world world pandemic, APS is has the audacity to ask the regulators, the Arizona Corporation Commission, to increase, to do a rate hike increase. And so this means that, you know, they want to uh, charge more for people's electricity. And so it's a little bit, well, it's not a little bit, it's very outrageous and crazy that that um, APS is not standing with their community during this world pandemic. You know, COVID has affected a lot of our um, Latinx community, which is who we work with here in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And so a lot of them have lost their jobs. A lot of them, you know, are working less hours. And so many of them have to decide whether paying, paying an, electric, uh, an electric bill or other bills or having food in the fridge. And so that's that's really the problem. And so we, as an organization, we're proposing that APS takes back their request from the ACC. So, you know, back off on the um, rate hike increase. And then on top of that, we're proposing that APS forgives the debt of every customer that has accumulated debt due to the pandemic for this year. Um, Julian, and to clarify, can you tell us what APS means? Yes. So APS, it's Arizona Public Services. Okay. All right. Perfect. Okay. Thank you, Julian. Shakira, can you tell us a little bit about your campaign? What are the issues and problems and, you know, the solutions and you're proposing? Go for it. Absolutely. So again, thank you for having me today. Um, One DC is a grassroots organization that seeks to create a community in DC that is equitable for all. Our current cancel rent campaign, well, I'm gonna back up. I'm gonna just be completely honest because y'all told me to be honest on this, this podcast. The Washington, DC runners in, D, in Washington, DC were in trouble before this pandemic even happened. Washington, DC, the, the rent was 
high before this pandemic happened. People were being pushed out before this pandemic happened. Um, after the this current pandemic that we are in is over, the next e pandemic we face is the evictions. So our cancel rent campaign is to basically help people that were negatively impacted by COVID cancel rent for them. Like people can't pay afford to pay rent. And it's not only just rent, it's mortgages as well. As I mentioned, during this time, people have lost jobs. To your point, Juan, beforehand, people was working three and four jobs just to pay rent. Now, those three jobs are gone. So it's like, what do you do? We're told to stay in home. We're told to stay at home because of the pandemic. It's, if you don't want to get COVID, they tell you to stay at home. But yet they're threatening us by taking our homes away for people that can't afford to pay rent. So it was like, what do you like? It doesn't make sense to me. You're saying stay in your home so you don't catch COVID, but we're gonna take your rent, we're gonna take your home away because you can't pay. Like that don't make sense. So with our cancel rent campaign, we like I said, we're just working to cancel rent for people that have been negatively and mortgages that have been negatively impacted by COVID. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shakira. So dysfunctionals, fire away. Well, one thing I've noticed about the recovery or the period since things started back opening back up is that there's this perception that, you know, everything was shut down. Now everybody's going back to work. And it's just it, what I've seen is just not the case. I've seen people like myself. Um, I just found out I'm losing my job a couple weeks ago <clears throat> and I'm losing it at the end of the pandemic. It's not the end of the pandemic for a lot of people. Um, I've also seen a lot of people um, who have, you know, they went back to work and they work maybe at a restaurant and then um, the restaurant tried to make it and couldn't. So they worked and then lost their job or the restaurant decided, well, we don't need as big of a staff. So we're going to lay you off. It's not a, a straight up and down. It's not a perfect arc in terms of the way people have lost work. Um, or lost wages. It's kind of all over the board. And, and like me, people are still losing their jobs, um, you know, now. So I'm super excited about both of these campaigns. One reason being is that I work for a community action agency. So in Detroit, we've kind of developed, I, I work in Detroit for Wayne Metropolitan Community Action Agency, and we've developed this system to help those who have acute, uh, just in their water and their energy. However, we're dealing with DTE, and I'm going to be completely honest, and DTE is the devil. So we have this system, but much like our unemployment system, we've made it so there's categorical qualifiers. So anyone who's been infected, whether their hours were cut, whether they're, they lost their, their jobs, they're unemployed, they have any sort of state benefits, they automatically apply for these benefits. So now we have this big flooded system and we have MDHS and a little 200 person organization trying to help thousands and thousands of people. Um, as far as I, I work more closely with housing, I do a lot with property tax and mortgage foreclosure. And we I, ideally, we had our county, Wayne County, the treasurer came out saying that there would be no foreclosures this year, but he's pretty much sticking to his guns that come March, when everyone's 2020s roll over to the county from their local municipality, that they will be foreclosed on. And it's just like, so the, there was like a pause, but like Dan said, the pandemic's not over. People didn't just all of a sudden recover. So now 
just because they had a little bit of a break, now they have a much bigger accumulated debt that they're still responsible for. And how do we address that? Yeah, as an educator, these are issues that are clearly going to impact and are already, as uh, Shakira was saying, prior to the pandemic, these were issues that were already factors in education, you know, having families that are homeless, having families, you know, I think here in California, we had one issue where we had a, a group of sisters who were outside of a Taco Bell because that was their connection to school. That was their internet connection. So I am, I, I agree, you know, what's going to happen once some of these issues begin to uh, expand and uh, maybe even explode? What's, what's that going to do for our society? Shakira Juliani. Yeah, I was gonna say that's for you guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um he's saying basically what is it gonna do for our society? We're at a time where it's like a great reckoning. Where it's like, what kind of society you wanna see? We as the people, because these public servants that we put in office, they not doing what they supposed to do for us. Mm -hmm. So it's about time that we hold them accountable. And by holding them accountable, it's by saying, hey, you need to work for us. We put you in office. Like when my mom used to say when she, I used to be bad, she said, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> Same thing. We put them in office. We can take them out of office. So it's time for them for us to work for you. You work for us. We don't work for you. So it's time for you to, it's time for people that we put in office to actually be accountable and do what they say they want to do. It's like the people that's in office now, especially in D.C., when we say, hey, like, we want to do this, they start finding their nose up, they get all, they don't want to do their job. It's like, how do you say, oh, you're going to, you run off our backs, like, you're in our neighborhoods 24-7 when it's time for campaign time, selling all these pipe dreams, but when it's actually time for you to do the work, you catching an attitude, like, I don't get that. So yeah, is I that all, Shakira? Is that all that's happening right now? Just a lot of attitude and a lot. A lot of, of attitude. Yeah. Turning the other way. Turning the other way. Um, Anita Bond. She's our housing chair on the D.C. Council. There was this one group uh, that had went to her house to protest, and she likened it to she likened it to uh, like the KKK. Like she said, the KKK. Like. It was like being harassed by the KKK. You are a white old woman. Like how the how the hell is being like that? Doesn't that like blew my mind? You saying that these people harassing you like the KKK? You were not drugged out of your home. You are not hung by a tree. You was not tortured. You were not raped. You were not beaten. People are just asking you to work for the people that you you that put you in office. That made you a part of this council. Like people can't really can't afford to pay rent. Like none of us asked to be in this pandemic. None of us asked for COVID to happen. Yeah. So like, help, like work with us. Like now also being in DC and this being an election year, usually election years there's transition, especially if there's a change in the party. And then you have a lot of people who leave DC, a lot of people who come into DC. Mm -hmm. Is that being a factor? And then the other factor in D.C. that I see is uh, rentals like Airbnb. A lot of, you know, and I have to say, I've used them before when I've been in D.C. Some people, they're, you know, they're just investment properties, mm -hmm. you know, to rent on the weekend. I'm seeing that for the for the landlords more so, like the small landlords that are really impacted because it's like now 
they don't have the huge investment properties that they like the other huge investors do. They only have like one small property. So it was like, you either try to make this work and it's like, you need to pay your rent, pay your mortgage so you can keep it up. So you can either try to make this work or you sell it to a developer that's going willing to buy it. And that's going to flip it and make it like these high rise, high living places, like condos, luxury condos. What's happening is a, a lot of our, uh, how we are, there's a threat to affordable housing in DC and now is being exacerbated by the pandemic because people are leaving the city. People was leaving the city beforehand because it is a, it is high as hell to live in DC. Mm-hmm. It is high. Mm-hmm. And then gentrification, like they're really starting to just build up, build up, build up. They're making it so for people that are transplants to just come in, stay for a couple of years and then leave. It's like they don't count for the people that have been here all their lives. They don't count for the people that's natives. They're pushing natives out. And with the pandemic, like it's really pushing natives out. People that was raised here generations and generations, like people that grew up here can't afford to stay in a city that they love. Like that's that's sickening to me, yeah. to be honest. Like this sad. I, I know that in places like in the really big cities, you know, that rent has gone through the roof. I was reading an article recently that just said that actually the pandemic has forced rent, rent prices to go down in San Francisco, which I don't know what that means go down, but because San Francisco was crazy. It was off the charts to begin with. My question, I'm really interested in how the pandemic has impacted your or, your organizing models. And I was hoping that maybe Julian could talk a little bit about what it is that they're doing here in Arizona, uh, what Chispa does and the Promotora model that they use and you know how all of that has sort of been impacted by you know, these uh, social distance um, uh, mandates and wearing masks and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh, th- thank you for bringing that up. So it's, 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 it's hard to mobilize people and organize people during the pandemic. And so since we started our pandemic, we, we actually this week, we're having our first for uh, promotor training, which is to provide tools to community members to, to organize themselves and, you know, have the tools, to, the, the information that, they could um, create a change in their neighborhood if, if they wanted to, right? Having the tools and knowing how to do it. So that's what the promotor training it's all about for those that, that I'm not familiar with it. And so we're barely having the first one and it's it's hard to, to actually reach out to people and get people to engage. But those who are really interested on in making a change and, and you know having an impact in our communities are the ones who are willing to be there present. And so with, uh, it's very similar with the APS campaign. Um, organizing people to join has been a little difficult. And so, because everything's online, everything we've been doing is through Zoom meetings. And there has been a, many challenges for community members to join these meetings. Uh, you know, just navigating Zoom itself, like it's a, it's a struggle for many uh, because it's a new, new way of communicating. And so even when I first started using it, I was like, how, how do I do this? You know, and it, it's, it involves not just getting in the in the Zoom video, but also multitasking, like making phone calls and things like that. So that's really hard when they only when they don't have the technology to 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 be able to you know have a laptop so they could see you and then pick up the phone and, and call, you know, take action. And so, um, so we've been using a lot of social media to communicate 
with with our membership and and that seems to be working out the best right now and so um lots of one-on-ones with people like not necessarily before we get to that you know the topic of what we're meeting about there has to be dialogue of how do we how are we going to communicate right like explaining to people how to use zoom and so that that has taken a lot of my personal time and so but it's it's uh we're getting there it's getting easier and so um you know i i um i established a comité for people for aps customers who who um have aps and are being affected directly by the high uh high rates of electricity and these are people who want to take action and so the way that um we're doing this all it's all through online basically and so we're meeting through online, sharing information, and then also um, the the they're joining the common hearing sessions, which actually the next one's coming up next uh, November seven, so it's a Saturday at uh, ten a.m. to twelve thirty a.m. So it's super early, and that um, that's I'm a little concerned that people are not going to call in, but so basically we're mobilizing people, APS customers, to call in this uh, during this common hearing sessions. And telling the ACC, which is the Arizona Corporation Commissioners, to vote no on the rate hike increase that APS is asking. And on top of that, we're also asking our allies and APS uh, customers who are calling in to uh, speak to APS and tell them to to forgive the debt that the, they have accumulated due to the pandemic. And those who are calling are people who have a, a debt of a thousand dollars up to a thousand dollars or more and so um yeah that um it's it's getting easier uh, I, I, I could definitely say it's getting easier to to uh reach out to people because more people are slowly switching to to this type of communicating at least that's what we're seeing here yeah shakira have you guys have you all found that over on the on the east coast that a lot of your work has been confined to like the digital arena or are people still really getting out it's a little bit of both i know one of my coworkers personally, they like, screw this. I'm just going to meet with people in person and do it like that. Um, it's easier that way, especially when you're basically with the older members um, that don't have access to internet, um, who are just tired of being at home. You know, some people want to have that like human, that face-to-face interaction, that face-to-face contact. Um, other people are okay with just being able to roll, roll over and hit on Zoom and be, you know, able to be a be here so <laughs> so you know it, it it fluctuates um it it honestly depends on the organizer and what they feel is always best for them um i had i do phone calls and i haven't met anybody in person yet but that doesn't mean that i won't um i just normally been sticking to zoom but as time and time progress, it's just like you have to, you have, after a while, you have to be in the community. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I like, your guys' work is amazing. And I've, like, had conversations, because I'm still in college, about, like, tuition for us and the fact that people can't pay tuition, that they can't pay rent, um, that there's no on-campus housing but then you can't afford on-campus housing anyways. Um, UCLA just came out with something saying that they're going to make a safe parking lot for houseless students um, and not actually give them housing. But wow. That's so yeah, cool. it's so messed up. Seriously? But like, 
yeah, it's completely messed up. Um, so I was just wondering, like, as, you know, as a young student and as just like people that are outside of your guys' organizing areas, what advice or like how would you recommend other people getting involved in starting like tuition strikes or rent strikes, um, stuff that can alleviate some of the pressure because all of us are feeling it right now. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Well, in in so identifying who who definitely has um, the power to to um, to create the change, and so we know that our community has, you know, when they come together, they have. They, they, they're very powerful and, and, you know, they have stories and they could create a change, but who are you going to speak to, to make that happen? So for example, with APS, forget the debt campaign, the commissioners are responsible for setting regulations on clean energy rules, as well as increasing or decreasing utility rates for services such as um, Arizona public services. And so, um, you know, we are targeting this this organism or organization, the commissioners, because they're, they're the ones who are going to, um, you know, make this decision. And so we are, our second target would be APS, because they're the ones who are going, who have the power to forget the debt. And so, you know, it, it's just about that, taking the approach of, of um, who are you going to target and, and um, how are you going to organize to make that happen? <laughs> So I was just writing a, a few steps. <laughs> so I believe in just outlining, right? So step one, I would say, is to get your people together. People that are have that are having trouble paying tuition. Um, get everyone together. And you can use social media to do that. And step two, I would say find out who holds the power um, to actually make change for you guys to be able to continue to go to school. Um, and then third, I would say also look for other organizations or partner with other schools that are having the same issues, um, other from students with other schools that's having the same issues. Remember, there's power in numbers. Um, so, and, uh, you know, and then start planning your power analysis and doing, start doing direct actions and start putting the pressure on them. Especially y'all are young, like y'all Gen Z's, y'all got energy, energy. Like I seen y'all riot from sun up to sundown. <laughs> yeah. All that. Like y'all, y'all got it. Like yeah. energizer bunny energy. Yeah, yeah. y'all, y'all really got it. I'm a millennial. I could we just saw the Red Bull. Yeah. <laughs> y'all got it. I'm a millennial. My first when I did when we did our Juneteenth rally. Girl, that that took me out. I was sore for like two days. Like y'all be out there, still out there, just doing it. So definitely, rally. Like y'all, y'all, y'all different, but in a good way. Like y'all can really, <laughs> really fuck shit up. Like yeah, so definitely right. start getting people together. Y'all got social media. Y'all on TikTok. Like whatever y'all gotta do. Like yeah. start bringing people together and have people like yeah. make the storms. Like again, it's strength in numbers. So and start putting the pressure on ass. Like. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say. Like, start getting the people together, start organizing, find out who hold the power. Any other schools that you need to organize with, you need to send out like, a, like a, a social media thing, like, hey, this is what's going on. Like, and start putting people together and start posting these and figuring out how y'all want to start having direct actions to push this to the forefront. Because the thing you want to do is build popular will around it. There you go. Like, people don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. See, let me tell you about these politicians. They that they gonna act the fool behind closed doors, but once it starts getting out into the main front, 
and they got a safe face, that's when they're going to start folding just a little bit. So they get uncomfortable. They get mad uncomfortable. <laughs> start sweating and everything. Yeah, <laughs> change their whole, like, just change their whole, yeah, makeup. So, like, yeah, so definitely, y'all got the power, and y'all the ones that can be out there five, six, seven, eight, nine days. Like, y'all, y'all got it. Yeah, just make sure you y'all don't get burned out. Cause I remember when I was that young, uh, it you know you you you're on the go 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 go, and next thing you know, at one point you just get burned out. So take time to, yeah. to self care, and y'all could do that together as well collectively, and that's mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. No, it's but, also um, active resistance. Mm-hmm. So definitely that, and you definitely want to play the long game with this. Because yeah. it's not going to be like you're doing something where you're going to be met with great resistance. Yeah. So you're not going to, you may not change in one or two years. You may not change it in your generation, but at least you're setting up the, setting up the ball for the next generation to be able to take it in school. And that's all mm-hmm. that matters. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, but that's, that would be a beautiful campaign to see. Like, you know, yeah. get, like get rid of tuition. For, for I'll be psyched. Yeah. Like y'all did it. Like, I did it. We've had some like preliminary talks of just like being like, okay, who's down like for like small things, but it's like, I always feel like for us as for college students is like taking that next step of being like, okay, we're going to talk about it and we can talk about it all day, but it's like the, okay, then how do we put that into action? Yeah. Well, that's that, how you put it into action. That's where the intergenerational aspect of organizing comes in. Right. Because it's, um, it's important. I mean, like one of the things that Shakira just said a second ago, and and she said it very, you know, like this is what you got to do. But it's one of those pieces that really slips by people. I mean, you have to understand who actually has the power to make the change, right? Like, because lots of times people are all like, oh, we're just going to go and like, we're just going to explode on these guys, right? And then they totally explode on the wrong people. And they explode on people who are just like, I mean, I totally agree with you. Wish I could change it. Have no power in the situation. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's, that's the important part of it. And, and cause yeah, I mean, as you get younger, I mean, you're a millennial, I'm Gen Xer. Right. I mean, I even have, I got 30 less years of energy than you do sister. So it's kind of like when I watch everybody out there running around, I'm like, wow, that, that I remember that that was fun. And then I, Go to bed. Ain't the millennials, that's the Gen Zs. The Gen Zs. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, like when I when I see him, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that, right? That was that was, long, yeah. that was a long time ago. But the thing is, is that for those of us who have been in the game for 30 or 40 years, I mean, we have a lot of experience to offer, right? And it's not necessarily about doing it the way that we say to do it, but I mean, why would you not avail yourself? Why reinvent the wheel? Yeah, well, yeah. Why reinvent the wheel? You know, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff, right? We may even have history with the people in power. You Mm. know, well, yeah, yeah, that's also true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would say a lot of times with like new organizers as well, and one thing that I've noticed is like the ability to do things safely. So a lot of times when uh, during this summer, when I saw a lot of. I don't want to say random, but just new organizers coming up, especially in regards to Black Lives Matter. I would, uh, me and a lot of my friends contacting people, making sure they knew what was legal, what was safe, how to prepare, offering any supplies that we have from a previous, you know, demonstration. Because other, like, it can be a beautiful thing and it can be a very dangerous thing too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
that that's yeah. that's so true mm -hmm. and so um always always be careful and think of like possibilities outcomes and mm -hmm. how do you you know do a civil disobedience mm -hmm. <laughs> not getting in trouble that's always a, <laughs> that's always a challenge but it's you know there is once you once you plan there is a way to to do it so mm -hmm. i'm kind of wondering for both of you how you see the events of this election you know not not the election itself but well the election so but immediately afterwards you know, is it easier under a Biden administration to cancel the rent than it is under a Trump administration? How does one, how does the victory of one or the other change or does it change the work that you're doing? Yeah. And is that at like a national level or are we talking more of a state mm -hmm. local level where they could individually as states do that? I think it could be either. Clearly, if Joe Biden wins, then Gretchen Whitmer becomes a superstar. If Donald Trump wins, then she faces endless kidnapping attempts uh, over the next four years, right? So I think that they they all kind of like fold in on each other. Yeah, well, for specifically for the APS Forget the Debt campaign, this is more local, so it's only here in the state of Arizona. Uh, a few cities like Phoenix, uh, Mesa, Scottsdale, and so um, Flagstaff, Tucson. I don't thing that the outcome of the election would affect the, the campaign, to be honest. It's mostly, yeah, local. What do you think, Shakira, for DC? So for our campaign, because we are also a part of Homes for All and the Right to the City Alliance, and they're doing like more of a national, we're trying to get each state to do like, to get, be together on action so we can really like build that popular will around canceling rent because this is something that not only affects people in DC, that affects people everywhere. So, um, and then, you know, one state can do it, a couple of states can do it, then that will be the framework for other states to use to be able to do it there. In terms of the who wins, in terms of who wins, if Trump wins, Jesus, um, there's, there's going to be a lot more like people in the streets fighting for like this. I just don't see if Trump wins, I can see them putting more on the state. Like they have not been doing well, federal government, the Trump administration have not been doing well with providing aid to the states. Mm -hmm. So, and especially how they're, you know, DC's not considered a state. So they've been really, you know, giving us the middle finger when it comes to aid, which is not fair, but that's, you know, that's a whole nother podcast. That whole thing, like, is just, it's going to be a mess if he wins. I'm like scared. So I'm just going to leave that at the cross. So um, if Biden wins, we still would need to hold him accountable because he's been talking out the side of his neck. Like, we don't nobody know what he, he all over the place. So we still got to hold him accountable. And I feel like if we continue to put pressure on him and if everybody put pressure on him, he would come up with something to help uh, the he, he will work with the, he will make sure the federal government comes out with some type of aid to help the states for canceling the rent or at least providing some type of rental assistance. So I will, I would say he would do that, but we have to put the pressure on him. Um, Trump is just going to give us the middle finger, like whatever. He probably not going, he not going, he going to be so happy. He won again and surprised. He's going to be talking about that for the next four years and how he blew by and out the water 
and all that stuff. He's not going to care about nothing else but how he won again. Biden will actually try to help, you know, do something. But we still have to put the pressure on Biden. We just can't go in there. Oh, Biden going to take care of us. No. Uh -uh. Do you think that some of the fear in like organizing spaces, especially with the Black Lives Matter protests this summer, you know, when it kind of blew over and the white people got over it, the attention stopped. And, you know, one of the fears that I have with this election is that if Biden wins, then, you know, this mobilization that was happening with affluent white folks that just didn't like Trump is going to stop. So do you think that the work that you're doing will have to be, you know, it's always the labor's always on black women mostly, but on like people of color, like, do you think that's going to be exacerbated with the Biden win or if Biden wins? No, I would say no for the simple fact that there's white people that can't afford to pay rent too. Like, they're, they're in this like together. Like, this isn't a white black issue. This is a basic human right issue. Like, people have, people need homes. Like, this is a human rights issue. So I think that, you know, we're still in a pandemic. And even if they win, we still like, I understand what you're saying. Well, okay, Biden win, things are over, but we're still in this pandemic and we're still got to worry about, okay, people are going to look at Biden for solutions of how we can come out of this thing better than what we came in. So it's like, I don't see, I, I, I see what you're saying. Like, you know, some of them might fall off and that's fine too, but there's, there are white people that can't afford to pay rent right now are struggling just like everyone else and their voices need to be heard too. Cause let me tell you something about white people. When they get to organizing, they get shit done. Listen, I seen, they want a dog park. Guess who get a dog park? They want to take over they the They get world. the health street. That's who but takes yeah, the health street. Yeah. That's their privilege. That's yeah. how they get, cause yeah, it's for they them get to get done. Well, it's been, it's, it's been their, it, it has been their privilege, but it's been a privilege that they've been willing to kill for. And so, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that as an excuse for them. I'm just saying, you know, it ain't just they got to do it because they're white. They got to do it because they were willing to kill for it. And so there's, I mean, there is a, uh, I think that's an important point to keep in mind. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that that's a really good question or, 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 or thought to think about. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like people, like the focus of people might shift a little bit to either protecting themselves you know if you're a person of color or black mm-hmm. and, and you know we Biden wins you know we, who knows what why people are planning or who knows what's going to happen and so uh the people who are mostly affected by the by you know having high rates of electricity it's people of color black people our latinx community and so honestly a lot of white people have a stable job and and they're able to keep up with with um with bills and so they have more time to to start start things up and so i'm just a little uh, not scared but i do think that there could be a shift of of um a focus and so if, if you know we have to put our energy into protecting ourselves and and you know organizing mobilizing people to to protest or whatever needs to happen to to um I don't know, it's just protect ourselves because that's that's a reality of, of our lives, right? We're always in under um survival mode. And I can tell you that here in Arizona there's 
there's not a lot of funding from the government to to that's uh, providing support for families to pay for their um, high cost of electricity rent. Uh, you know, we have the LEAP program, which is government money to to support families who are in need. But just like the process of applying for all these programs, it's very lengthy. They ask for a lot of documents and people need them and they're stressed and, and they're like, oh, it's just too many documents. I can't do it. And like they just plug themselves and they don't follow through the process. And now they're just digging themselves into, you know, a, a bigger debt. And it's not necessarily their fault. And so there's money there. And then also, I've, I've, you know, communicating with community members, they're like, there's no more money because I provide different phone numbers of organizations who are distributing the money and they're telling them that there's no more money available. And so who knows when they're going to get more money to distribute to our communities. And then there's also the undocumented communities who cannot apply for this program. So it's definitely another topic, but it does connect to to, to um, having the opportunity to apply for resources that come from the government to help pay for, you know, utilities, rent, and all, all these um, living expenses. And those are very similar, sound very similar to the programs that we've been administering here. And even if for those we can help, it's taking us six months. By that time, their power's turned off, there's water shut off, they have no food, they've been evicted. And that yeah, was my yeah. question too about, about the process. Um, so in Michigan, we have a system called 211 where you can look up and find agencies that will help with utilities. And I have a login and password for 211, so I'm able to refer people. But in Michigan, the very first thing you have to do is go through DHHS and you have to be rejected by them. Yeah, for everything. And you have to be rejected by them to be able to then go to one of these agencies. So going to DHHS is, you know, it's a mess in in and of Mm -hmm. itself. And then you have to wait to be rejected and then you have to go to the agency. So it's this long process and it sounds like you experienced what we experience here and that's the money's gone right away. People are planning the year prior, um, you know, of, of how to apply, how to go through DHHS and that money's gone. I mean, instantaneously. I mean, I, I don't know what the exact date was, but I imagine it was mostly gone by March before, before the lockdown even happened. Yeah. In Detroit, we have like just to spread it throughout the year, we have like a, a limit to how many people we take per month. So we don't do that. Cause we have, yeah, usually spent it as end of February, early March money gone. Yeah. So I'm hoping that is that- the number one call to, um, to two on one. I think it's something like 70% of the phone calls that they get and they get, you know, thousands a day throughout the state. They're almost all for utility assistance or rental assistance. Uh, yeah, I just want to say that here in Arizona, for example, for the um, APS debt accumulated, well, for customers accumulating debt for the company, it's estimated to be about 20 to 30 million. And APS has the um, has the ability to, to help these people who are in need, you know, they have the means to forget $30 million of debt accumulated because they're... Um, they're making about 28.4 million in improper in charges from back on 2018. And so they're making more money than ever due to the high rate, high, um, high, what is it? Um, um, the high temperature rates. And so they're making a lot more money than, than last year, to be honest. Uh, 48 million more in, in prior 
in profits in the same quarter last year. And so they do have the ability to, to, um, you know, forgive the debt or, or how do we want to say relief? It's a, a debt relief, right? For this community of, of, um, of people here in Arizona. And so it, I feel like that they could definitely support the community. And so it's just a matter of them standing with the community and, and making that change so that, you know, we, we focus on other things that are also as important, for example, families that have kids in school, making sure that they're getting the proper education during this time, or that they simply have money to buy food instead of deciding whether they have to, you know, use the money to pay for their electricity costs. Awesome. So these functionals were running out of time and I just really want to ahead of time, just really say thank you to our invited guests, Julian and Shakira for such a wonderful conversation. And before we close, we want each one of you to tell us how people can join your campaigns. Make sure you share your campaign names, your social media tags. So I'm going to start Shakira and then Julian. Okay, so our tags, uh, our tag campaign is hashtag cancel the rent. You can follow us on Twitter at 1DC, uh, O-N-E underscore D-C. Our Instagram is the same. Um, if you want to support our campaign, you can visit us at www.1dconline.org. For us, our, ha our hashtag would be APS Forget the Debt. And if people want to follow us, you can follow us on social media as well. Instagram is Chispa Arizona. Our Facebook is Chispa AZ. And we also have a website where people can go in and get more information. And if they also want, want to look for resources, we have a, uh, we have that on our website where people we could point out people to the right um, to the right contact to, for different resources. And that's um, Chispa.org. And so if um, people can sign our pledged and, and, you know, to advocate for the environment and that's also to join our APS Forget the Debt campaign. And so send us a message, tell us your story, let us know if, you know, you have a high, high electric bill, let us know how much you're, you're paying. So, you know, share a little bit about um, your story and that you want to stand with us and, and you know, put APS accountable for, for what they're doing. And so also, also local po uh, politicians who are making those decisions. And so, yeah, thank you. And hopefully people could follow us and join our campaign. Excellent. Thank you so much, everybody. Don't forget to vote on Tuesday to make sure we get Trump out and be fuck Latinos for Trump. Hey, homie, I'm getting tired of dudes just getting over on the raza. This is for the raza, raza, raza. This is the reality dysfunction.